Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle Majuk, researcher for the NFL Network, and I'm joined by Kate Majuk, content manager with DraftKings Nation, and Jake Trowbridge, contributor with Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. What's up, y'all? We are in to week one of preseason. There's going to be a whole slate of preseason games this week. It's officially football time. I'm ready. It's real. A game happened even. I mean, if you can loosely call the Hall of (laughs) Fame game a game, it did happen. Something happened out on the field that we all got to watch. So that was something. It was more like the Hall of Fine game. (laughs) I thought you were going somewhere else with that. And I was like, Kate, but okay, it it worked out. I don't even know where it could have been going. But I I mean, it sounded wrong. Hey, at least we saw Josh Jacobs play for three and a half quarters. It felt like (laughs) Um, that was weird. That was really weird for the (laughs) NFL preseason. I'm so excited, though, because we had something to actually overanalyze. And that's what we're going to get out of week one. We're going to be able to overanalyze. Like I, I saw a, a little training camp buzz. I'm going to, I'm just going to like lead on into it. Cause I feel like we need to just dive on in to training camp news. I'm going to start it off here with the fact that David Montgomery has been playing some special teams. He has, that was not a part of my rundown for talk of the town, but Kate clearly wants to bring this up. Khalil Herbert has been heavily involved so far in the first team offense with David Montgomery. Jake, you, I mean, just a couple episodes ago, you were big, kind of big on David Montgomery, at least over Antonio Gibson. Has that changed at all with this news? No, not really. Uh, and it's not, I'm as big on, David Montgomery as a person can reasonably be, I think. But I do I do find it a bit suspicious. But, you know, I, I really think it's just a lot of this weird changeover that's happening with the team. And it's more about, like, let's just make sure that everybody is kind of, like, kept in check. Sometimes when I see these things of, like, a key player and they move him around special teams, it's like, I don't know, maybe Montgomery got, like, a little bit of a, a big head or something. And it was kind of more of, like, a, eh, let's keep you in your, in your place kind of thing that coaches will do. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this makes Kill Herbert an even more interesting, you know, option later in drafts, but I think all Herbert does is hurt David Montgomery. I don't actually think he's going to have much standalone, you know, value unless Montgomery were to get hurt. And then he would still just kind of be all right to me. Like he's not going to like kill it for you in fantasy. All right, we might as well jump into talk of the town now since Kate got us started. But before we do that, I want to just say like what we're going to do for today's episode because it's going to be such a fun one. We're getting into our ballsiest takes of the season. Let's get 
ballsy. We're each going to give two of our ballsiest takes that we have. Um, and you know we love to do that. We're not, we're no babies here. We're ready to throw down and, you know, put our name on some takes. So we're going to give you a couple of those each later on in the show. But let's finish up Training Camp Buzz with Talk of the Town. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. All right, first up. Because you know this is most important, and it's pretty much the only buzz that matters. Uh, Baker Mayfield seems to be easily winning the quarterback competition in Carolina. Shocker. Uh, but not only, he's not just winning because Sam Darnold sucks, which obviously, but he's also just killing it, especially over the last week. He's connecting on a ton of big plays with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. He looks really good out there. Any of this camp news moving DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson up your rankings, Jake? Nope. (laughs) The players themselves (laughs) are not affected to me. It does make Baker much more interesting. Uh, I've definitely been taking him at the end of a lot of best balls, and this gives me a lot more confidence in that. I mean, I don't think anybody was questioning whether he would win the battle. But the fact that, like, yeah, he's coming out, he's fired up, I think we all kind of expected that. But it's nice to see that translating. I think that Baker Mayfield's uh, at my last check, his over under for passing yard totals on the season were at right around 3,700 passing yards. I like, I think that's pretty decent uh, in terms of expectation for Baker Mayfield. And it's not necessarily moving DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson in my rankings, but it makes me feel more comfortable with DJ Moore in terms of his floor. Okay. And that's what that's what it does. It makes me feel a little bit safer. Robbie Anderson, Michelle, I know you are uh, his biggest fan, um, but I'm not. I'm still not in on Robbie Anderson. Like I might just take him as a, a later round flyer. Well, but that's what he is. I'm not like saying go draft him in the seventh round. Here, he's a late round flyer. But you're you're targeting him as a late, a late round, round flyer. flyer. Yeah. And I'm not going to be as bullish. I will take him if he comes to me. So that there's a difference. There's a very subtle difference there, but I will say I'm the exact opposite of you, Jake. I am moving up DJ Moore. I already have him pretty high. Like he was comfortably inside my top 15 wide receivers. Now I'm getting more comfortable putting him closer to wide receiver 12. So I I feel really good about DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson has always been my favorite late run sleeper wide receiver as long as he has Baker. So that's not going to change so much because I already figured he was going to have Baker, but I don't, care to draft Baker Mayfield still in fantasy, at least in one quarterback leagues, like at all. Sure. He's just, even at his best, he's never really been a fantasy guy, you know? All right, moving on. Matthew Stafford, the weirdest storylines of this guy. I don't know. He's dealing with elbow soreness. But it's not normal elbow soreness. Yeah, it's not. It was first reported as tendonitis, and then it wasn't, and then it was like a pitcher's injury no one really knows it's just soreness but he dealt with it last year for a majority of the season and he looks he kept getting better throughout the entire season and was killing it in the playoffs and then he's been dealing with it in training camp but they all say he looks really good so what do we do with this news this dude can't be without an injury for an entire year. It's it's not it's written into a contract somewhere that like <laughs> he has to have one at least verbalized out there so that 
when he comes back from it, he gets to be the Iron Man again who fought through this another injury that popped up. So now he's got like throwers boils on his elbow. And it's like, I don't even think that's a real thing. They're just making stuff up now. But (laughs) maybe maintenance here. Yeah, in the preseason. I I get it. It's fine. He had some soreness, but he'll play through it. Kate, does this make you worried about Cooper Cup whatsoever? Not in the way that he's not going. Obviously, you'll still have him ranked really high. But when you're looking at the draft board and you're choosing between Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, would this make you move over to Justin Jefferson? Uh, yeah, because I, I like and to be clear, I don't necessarily know that this is going to like be a thing with Matthew Stafford. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a problem, but it has been a thing all off season and it still hasn't gone away by this point, which that's like, that's the part that kind of has me worried. And I'm not so much worried for uh Cooper cup. Uh, I'm not worried so much for Allen Robinson, but I am kind of worried for Matthew Stafford specifically. Like this is a guy that was the quarterback five last year um, and just really dominated. And he did it purely as a passer. Like it, you weren't drafting Matthew Stafford for his rushing upside. No, like this came on his arm and it it wasn't based on anything else. So I worry about this for Matthew Stafford. I don't think it necessarily affects um, the fantasy outlook of Cooper cup or Allen Robinson, but like in terms of just kind of like eliminating one more extraneous factor that I have to analyze. Yeah. I'll take Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup because both of these players are guys that I'm looking at with, uh, you know, likely a, a top three finish and I'm projecting them there. But if I don't have to worry about Kirk Cousins elbow week to week, I'd rather not. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Broncos offensive coordinator, Justin Outen. Sorry if that's not how you say your name said Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon will be on a pitch count throughout the season. That is a weird, yeah. that Mark. is a weird story. Yeah. Now he, Justin Allen and new head coach Nathaniel Hackett, you know, they're coming over from the Packer system, which they had Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, you know, splitting a backfield last year. It's still like Aaron Jones was still good for fantasy. I, I guess it comes down who to who gets the majority of the receiving work, who steals most of the touchdowns. But I don't have a clear answer for you right now who those who that would be. Jake, do you? No, because everything was so split. We talked about it in a previous episode. It's so split for these guys last year. Neither one of them jumped out as like, I could see them taking the lead, even in this specific little area, like touches inside the 10-yard line, five-yard line, like red zone targets any of it nothing was definitive so for me this is a clear clear example to fade Javante Williams and I'm I was already doing that I'm going to continue doing that now yeah Kate had him uh last week in her hate to blast your bubble she said Javante Williams will be the biggest bust in the first two runs of your fantasy draft I mean from this report that's holding strong we'll see what happens of course you know, Melvin Gordon gets injured, everything changes, but we're not drafting Javante Williams in that way. We're not drafting Javante Williams as a handcuff. We're drafting him as a top tier running back. And the more, the further we go on in the offseason, the scarier it gets. Uh, moving on, Gus Edwards is likely to miss the start of the season. J.K. Dobbins was taken off the PUP list or PUP list, however you want to say it. Um, I guess good news for J.K. Dobbins, right? 
good news for J.K. Dobbins, but still not like extremely bullish reports. Extremely, extremely bullish reports on J.K. Dobbins. Like they're like, yeah, he's probably going to be ready for week one. That's not what I want to hear. Literally, like a month out from week one. Like I don't want to hear probably. It's fantastic that he's been like, you know, uh, advanced in his rehab, but like he's still doing individual drills. Like my question is not about JK Dobbins. It's about who the hell is going to be the running back that like, I I can't imagine if they're taking it this slowly with JK Dobbins, if Gus Edwards is behind, I can't imagine JK Dobbins is just going to come in and take 15 carries per game. So my biggest question for this backfield is who's behind him. And we've heard plenty of reports like Justice Hill seems to be the guy that's kind of like. Oh, stop it. And, uh, I every hate, year, every year, Justice Hill. Justice Hill's not a thing. But, I mean, there's like there's got to be, be somebody. Mike Davis, and he's going to get. A stupid, is it really yeah, going to be Mike gonna Davis? going to suck just like the rest of the running back sucked last year for the Ravens. I, it's J.K. Dobbins or bust for me. And I don't really want to take J.K. Dobbins. So it's bust. It's just bust bust for you. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I'm out on Dobbins. And if it bites me, it bites me. But he's just not someone I'm comfortable with. What's the earliest round that either of you would draft J.K. Dobbins? I mean, so much of it's going to come down to like who's there. But I'm like a guy I would take over is Antonio Gibson. I would take Antonio Gibson over J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, though, and Antonio Gibson, I feel like are both kind of falling in drafts like Antonio Gibson continues to fall down the draft board. I did a uh, mock draft with some of the people over at NBC sports edge today. And I think he fell to like the seventh or eighth round, yeah, which is ridiculous, but this is even with experts. And I, like I can see as the, the rumor mill continues to churn, I can see both of these guys falling. So at what point do you look at them and you're like, ah, that's kind of scrumptious for the price. Probably around there. Seventh, eighth. Seventh, eighth. So you're saying that feels right. It all depends on where, who else is available. So that's too hard to answer. Uh, so I'm going to move that's on to out. the next piece. I'm trying to get through all these training comp- <laughs> training camp buzz pieces, and you're Mrs. Chatty Kathy. I'm, I'm Chatty Kate. Chatty Katie. All right. Gabriel Davis. You got to bring him up, right? Killed it at Bill's scrimmage on Friday. This is from The Athletic. I don't like saying names because I do not know how to pronounce last names. Joe Busiglia. Busiglia. Wow, I would have never got there if that's what you think it is. Okay. Uh, He wrote that, you know, Josh Allen. Came to me in a dream. I don't know, actually. Josh Allen obviously was amazing, like he always is. But he was targeting Gabriel Davis a ton. They ended up with five catches for 76 yards and two touchdowns throughout this practice. And he said he looked like the clear-cut best wide receiver on the field, which Stephon Diggs did play, so pretty wild for him to say that. But Gabriel Davis, I'm more, I already have been like mid on Gabriel Davis. Like I haven't made my decision if I think he's going to break out or bust. I'm starting to warm up to the breakout. I think he can break out, though, and I think he can still be a great wide receiver and still have the end of year finish without being consistent enough to help you in fantasy football. That is my concern with Gabriel Davis. It's not necessarily the production, but we've also heard really good things about Isaiah McKenzie out of camp. Like uh, he could be seeing snaps out of the slot. We know Josh Allen loves to talk target 
the slot receiver. Like I worry that Gabriel Davis is not going to be enough of a focal point on a consistent basis that you're not going to know when to start him. And that's my, that is my concern. It is not the end of the year fantasy finish. It's how often is he actually going to be in my lineup when he could have helped me out to win me a week? Jake thoughts. I'm keeping an eye on him now. Like I was just basically writing him off before. No, I was like writing him off before he was in the Dobbins territory pretty much for me before. This is like, all right, I really can't just ignore all of this, but I'm not going to completely change gears just because of one good report here with one good ostensibly practice. So, but if it keeps happening and his name keeps popping up like this, then you got to eventually roll with it. I have him as my wide receiver 25 and I have him just getting over a thousand receiving yards this season. I think it's going to be a really nice season for Davis. And if he ends up scoring more touchdowns than I expect, because I put him at like a, you know, a fair amount without going crazy, but I would not be shocked at the end of the year, he puts up double digit touchdowns and then he's going to, you know, well outscore wide receiver 25. But I I'm liking Gabriel Davis. We'll, we'll have to get into him more if we keep hearing better reports uh, as training camp and preseason goes along. Moving on, we have two more notes to hit on before we get to our ballsy takes. Mm-hmm. But we cannot ignore this one because, you know, we're biased. I'm picking out all the names of the people I, you know, been uh, <laughs> I in this offseason. But Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Pete Sweeney, uh, writer and analyst for Arrowhead Pride. He said, while Marquez Valdez-Scatling looked like the go-to wide receiver in OTAs back in May, it's now looking like it's Juju Smith-Schuster in training camp. And he says, I'm now tending to think he'll be the second most targeted Chiefs pass catcher behind Travis Kelsey in 2022. It looks like from training camp, Mahomes and Juju have a really nice connection going on, as well as Sky Moore. Uh, so another guy to keep an eye on. I'm still totally in the boat that Juju will be the number one guy. Uh, Kate's totally in that boat as well. We already know that. Jake, what are your thoughts? I actually built the boat. <laughs> yeah, she built the boat. <laughs> out of scrap heap and just pure moxie and uh, i lived in i live in the boat now i just live here (laughs) i don't live in the the boat boat. i'm outside of this boat i i don't see any reason that juju can't be the number one i just don't see it being so definitive i think it's going to be basically a spread offense like i think all these guys are going to be heavily involved juju getting most targets sure but by 50 no probably by like you know I think you're overestimating the rest of the, the chief step. Who has there. a more likelihood? Because they're actually kind of being drafted around each other. Uh, mm. Who has a more likelihood to be a top 12 wide receiver? Let's say complete breakout. I guess the second time Juju would break out. But is it Juju or Gabriel Davis? Who would surprise you more? Who would Gabriel surprise, Davis would surprise me, more. me more? Yeah. Because Ju- again, Juju's they're both playing. They're both playing with fantastic quarterbacks. They're both going to be the second target on their team, no matter what. Diggs going to be first. And, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey is going to still be first with the Chiefs. So you're looking at potential second target here. I think they're in familiar situations. Their ADP is still pretty. I think there's still a pretty big gap in their ADP for right now, which probably won't hold as we get closer to the season, though. Right. I'm I'm pretty sure there's at least, I don't know, a couple of rounds difference with them right now. I think it's just muddied right now still with the Chiefs. And as we get more of these reports, then Juju will elevate up the ADP. And uh, I don't know. I'm fine taking him. I'm just not so bullish. 
Okay. We said bullish a lot on this podcast. Juju has finished as a top 20 wide receiver in three of the last five years, including one top eight performance that we already saw. Okay. Like, I don't know why that's even a question of who you I would choose Juju to be top 12 over But, like, you can't ask. You can't ask if you would be surprised if Juju did it because he already done did it. Okay. Like, (laughs) get out. Get out of my office. Moving on. Last one, Romeo Dubes, Dubs. <laughs> we, we do this Dobbs. every single time. <laughs> Whatever. I think he said it's Dobbs, but then he also said you call him Dubs. So, God, can he just actually say what it is? Romeo sure? D. Romeo D. From Romeo here on D. Out. All right, fourth round. Romeo Diddy. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like that. All right, Romeo Diddy, fourth right. round wide receiver pick for the Packers this year uh killing it in training camp he's not the wide receiver we expected it to be expected to be killing it in training camp we thought that was going to be potentially christian watson their second round pick but he's been hurt so he hasn't been practicing and romeo diddy is taking it full advantage and just killing it. it's like every day the reports are insane are we trusting these reports is is this Romeo Diddy now a guy you're actually looking for to draft and redraft? Or is it just like, is it just off season training camp buzz? I didn't take any of these reports to have much merit until I found out how much he was playing on family night for the Packers. Family night is a big damn deal in green Bay. That is the open practice where everybody gets to come watch it. It's like a big night spectacle. Matt LaFleur plays guys that he wants to highlight. So the fact that Romeo Diddy was out there doing as much as he did and crushing it really gave me a big boost to confidence there. So I'm now I'm excited. I'm going to be honest. I feel kind of like validated by this entire segment because oh all of these are kind of backing up all of my takes uh, from out throughout the season, except Gabriel Davis. But I'm just going to ignore <laughs> that one. Um, but like Romeo Diddy, we cannot be surprised because I've been saying this the whole freaking time. Like Christian Watson, the Packers drafted him because a, uh, he's a phenomenal athlete with super high upside B he's the hometown boy. Like that. I, I get it. There's plenty of upside there, but I, I thought immediately coming out of school, Diddy was the better receiver and the more refined, this Rookie. is going to get very confusing for people. If you're looking to draft him in your redraft, it's Romeo. D-O-U-B-S. Yes. <laughs> Pronounced Diddy. D-I-D-D-Y. <laughs> <Pronounced> Diddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, w- one last question, because we really got into got to get into our hot takes. But does this hurt Christian Watson's chances of breaking out in year one now? Like, does this kind of just completely take Watson off your board if in redraft leagues? Yeah, I'm kind of not not that interested in him. And I don't think that his ADP is going to fall enough to where I'll be comfortable. Like, I don't think he'll ever be a last round guy. Like, I think people are still going to want to take him higher because of the draft capital and the excitement there. And so that's just not something I'm interested in. It's the opportunity. Cause like, I mean, even if you had Romeo's breakout, like that, that would be fantastic. But there's still plenty of opportunity for any of these wide receivers to sort of make an impact. But like Christian Watson, I think 
like the biggest thing that hurts him is like the lack of availability, the injury um, that he hasn't had all of these same reps that Diddy has had. Yeah. I'm interested in taking little Romeo. Little Romeo. Little Romeo. <gasps> little Romeo. It's kind of like little, uh, little Romeo. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm starting like, I, got, I was like, I really fell for the Brian Edwards hype train, his rookie season with but the Raiders. Think of yeah. what's different here in terms of the fact that. He doesn't that, have to compete for targets. No. Adams. That, no, that's not um, that's not it at all. But uh, look at the hype that like you've actually heard from Aaron Rodgers. Like who. Yeah, again, Derek Carr just, said that Brian Edwards reminded him of Devontae Adams. No, Michelle, I'm saying that you don't hear any hype. From Aaron Rodgers. You hear about psychedelics. You hear about <laughs> shrooms. You do not hear about hyping rookie fourth round wide receivers in training camp. And he's doing it. Sure. Like it's, I think uh, he's not like a super cool person. Um, What's nice Aaron is that Rogers, if you play in a home league where like, you know, the people we you play with are kind of into football, but not like obsessed with it. Like we are. And they're not like reading every training camp article. You might be able to just draft him in the last round because people aren't noticing, you know, his name pop up in training camp articles and Aaron Rodgers talking about him. And I think he's worth it at that point. And, you know, if it doesn't end up working out, you'll be fine. All right, let's get into our ballsy takes of the season. That's pretty ballsy. That's pretty ballsy. Covered her asses out there, man. Some ballsy shots. Get ballsy. All right, Jake, we're going to start with you. What's the ballsiest take you got for me right now? You're the only one with balls here, so they better be good. <laughs> That's quite the assumption, by the way. Uh, I <laughs> hinted at this on a oh previous episode. <laughs> I hinted at this uh, on a previous episode, not about the balls thing, about, about this take. Uh, you guys gave me some guff because I came out, in your opinions, lukewarm about this thing about DeAndre Hopkins not going to be a top 30 pick, not worth it, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, ah, it's not bold enough. Well, how about this? DeAndre Swift is going to be a massive bust at running back. <gasps> He's Ooh. currently being taken as the RB8 in PPR. And I expect that to go up, by the way, because Hard Knocks is just around the corner. <laughs> and the oh, Detroit Lions are up. being featured in Hard Knocks. That is a guarantee every damn Lions player is going to get bumped up a little bit. So you're going to have to take Swift at probably RB6 uh, at least by the time this thing's done. Now, last season in 11 games that he and Jamal Williams actually played together, they split carries dead even 50-50. This was the Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams type of thing. There were 50-50 in carries. Williams had a higher percentage of carries inside the five-yard line, meaning more goal mm. line opportunities. He had 46% compared to 36%. For DeAndre Swift. Again, both played the same amount of games, too. Both played 13 games overall. So, Williams, I do want to get ahead of the hard knocks hype just a little bit. Jamal Williams, <laughs> if you've ever heard this dude's interviews, he's just wonderful. He's a wonderful person. I've loved him ever since he was back on the Packers for a few years. He is also the most Dan Campbell esque player that you could imagine. Here's a <laughs> quote this was from back in May. He was interviewed. 
uh, and be ready with the bleeper button here because it's a good one. But he was on the podium getting asked about all the extra cameras going to be at Hard Knocks. And Jamal Williams said, I don't give a fuck. I just want to play football. That is Dan Campbell in a running back right there. But that aside, back to DeAndre Swift. He has to, once again, get a huge number of targets to pay off at his ADP. Has to. If he's going to have a lot of competition around the goal line and splitting carries, essentially, which I do think will be the case again this year, then that's kind of tough for him. Because last year, his only competition was Amon Ross St. Brown, who did not get going until about halfway through the season, and TJ Hawkinson who was uninspiring, admittedly, as a pass catcher. Uh, I mean, he absorbed the targets, but that's all he was really doing. He has an influx of talent. I mean, say what you want about DJ Chark. He's better than what they had elsewhere on the roster. He's now there. Jamison Williams, a rookie drafted, won't be playing right away, but he will come along here eventually. And people have very high hopes for him. Not to mention St. Brown should have a hot start this year as opposed to the tepid one that he did last year. I also think Detroit's kind of a fringe uh, team to keep an eye on and under the radar team for like a Will Fuller signing right before the season. I could easily see something like that. But in any way, any case, Swift's dot was 0.0 last year. That means he was the literal definition of a dump off guy. He was there because there weren't many options. It's not like Alvin Kamara or CMC, guys who had about two yards as their ADOT. It's like, oh, we're actually actively trying to get these guys the ball. It's just Swift. You were here. Nobody else was open. Here you go, pal. So his numbers were already inflated. We've talked about this on previous episodes. That first half of the season where Anthony Lynn was doing kind of a terrible job with the play calling, it was all of it was just use the running back. Just keep using him. And it wasn't working, but it kept happening by default. And then after nine games of that, Dan Campbell's like, all right, you're done. I'm going to take over. They started incorporating all these other guys that they had. I shouldn't say all these other guys, the few other guys that they had available. And this is when we saw the St. Brown breakout. I just think putting your eggs in the DeAndre Swift basket, especially at that ADP, it's just kind of foolish to me. And I'm I'm not into it. If you want somebody that's going to be comparable to that, just go take Aaron Jones. I know it sounds oh, like me being a homer. You had it. You had right? it. You, are, you had you, it right in the palm of your hand. It you was were, supposed to be Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. You were well, so you, but you can take Travis Etienne later. You can take Aaron Jones at the similar ADP okay, and be okay, much more satisfied. Okay. Travis Etienne, you could get a round and a half later. And yes, do that too. Take Etienne later. Or you could draft both because they're Hell yeah. not being drafted in, in the same round. So yeah, like get your uh Aaron Jones then swing back around maybe like end of the third grab your Travis Etienne and then you're just gonna have like a lot of fantasy points so I I'm not I guess I kind of agree with you because DeAndre Swift is my RB10 and uh this is half PPR uh so PPR he'd probably be pushed up a little bit but I mean with where he's going to be going like you said then that means I'm you know I'm not super high in Swift. I don't think he's going to be as big of a bust as you are calling for it. But, I mean, you definitely just scared me a little bit. I almost want to, like, put him down in my rankings a bit and change my projections. So you did a good job. He won't be in my uh, top 12. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm actually, like, the biggest aspect of your entire um, 
argument here that I think is the most fascinating part is Jamal Williams. Cause like I've been a huge fan of Jamal Williams and I thought he was going to be a, a bigger pain in the butt last year, but I like, I hadn't looked at um, their, you know, games of overlap quite as much as you just pointed out. I think that's uh, an eye opener for me and you scared me. Yeah. And you I'm not gonna job. I'm not gonna draft him at cost. Congratulations, Jake. <laughs> Woo! Uh, yeah, good job. All right, Kate, what is your ballsiest take of the year? Jalen Hurts is this year's Josh Allen. Third year breakout, baby. And we are going to see people are gonna be so mad at you for this because you know no one else is gonna be like Josh Allen. I know nobody's allowed to break out, but guys, <laughs> like it, the the like the the parallels here between Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen are like significant outside of like your draft capital, but like in terms of trajectory, in terms of development as quarterbacks, it, like Jalen Hurts, quarterback nine in 2021, led his team in rushing, but like did that without being nearly the most efficient passer. Period. Like ranked 22nd in NFL passer rating, 26 in completion rate last year. But this year, we get another year in the books. We get another year with his head coach. We get a beautiful strength of schedule, third easiest strength of schedule based on opponent win percentage. And guess what, Michelle? We added, um, I don't know, like a really stud muffin wide receiver and A.J. Brown. Like this, it does. It parallels what they did with Josh Allen so much because even Josh Allen, like, Looking at what he did in his second season in 2019, he finished as the quarterback six, but he did that with 3,000 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like, not great, but you saw the run game support those stats, and then um, he made that third-year leap once they got him a true wide receiver one, and I think that A.J. Brown is that guy. Uh, just no question for me, I think that's, uh, the biggest difference here, Ryan Tannehill had a 32% completion rate, uh, 12.6 yards per attempt on deep passes when in, uh, AJ Brown was on the field in 2021, basically cut all of those yard or all of those stats, like in half when AJ Brown was not on the field, like he was essentially twice as efficient when AJ Brown was present and challenging opposing defenses and now A.J. Brown's going to do the same thing for Jalen Hurts. I think that what the Eagles have done this offseason in terms of just creating a better uh, like balance for their team, I, I love um, what they've made in terms of signings on defense. Um, I, James Bradbury, like I think he's such a huge addition at cornerback Steven Nelson. I think this is just a a very well-balanced roster overall. And I think that Jalen Hurts, like now that he's presumably going to take this jump as a passer, and that's what I'm projecting, he could be the quarterback one, and I wouldn't be shocked. I am interested to see where we have Jalen Hurts at, at consensus uh, quarterback rankings. We will be doing those next week. That will be our top 12 quarterback uh show 
And I have no idea where Jake has them. And I almost don't even want to ask right now because nope. I want to be surprised. Let's keep it a secret. Kate has them very high, obviously. I have them very high, obviously. We'll see where Jake has them and how much he pulls him down for us in our rankings. But that will be uh, fun to talk through next week. So we'll get more into Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, I clearly agree with you that I think that could happen. Now, I still think Josh Allen will outscore him in fantasy. So although That's he fair. is this That's year's fair. Josh Allen, like um, – but would you be shocked at all if he finished as the quarterback one? Shocked a little bit, but. But not as much no. as you should be. No. no. Jake, from a scale from one to 10, how ballsy is this take to you? I would say from general perspective, how I'd say this is like a seven and a half. <laughs> seven and a half balls That's a lot of balls All right. a lot of balls <laughs> i like it we'll get more into uh jalen hurts and why he can be high next week or why he's going to be low for i have a feeling he's going to be low for jake so i say why he's going to be low for jake we'll have put words in my mouth <laughs> we'll have a little bit of discussion around that so i don't want to dig in too much right now and ruin next week's episode but i like your ballsy take my ballsy take trey lance another quarterback another mobile quarterback and it kind of goes with your guy. But Trey Lance is this year's Jalen Hurts. But who's going to be next year's Trey Lance? <laughs> We're going to have Justin Fields? We're going to have to wait and see. Call it a Desmond Ritter. Okay. Trey Lance is this year's 2021 Jalen Hurts. So there's always a guy that you can get later in your draft that you should never be able to get there. And it feels like many people on board, but for some reason, the ADP never changes. You, you, just, you can just get them late. Right now, Trey Lance's ADP is still at quarterback 13. That's absurd. He's the best value in drafts at quarterback easily. He's the only one I'm looking to get at this point because there's no reason to, unless Jalen Hurts falls to the sixth, seventh round, then yeah, sure, take him because he has such high upside. But there is no reason to take anyone else after that with Trey Lance sitting there at such a good value. And why I say it's so similar to Jalen Hurts, who I was pounding the table for last year at his value, they're the same player right now where I think Trey Lance's floor is what you got out of Jalen Hurts because A, Trey Lance was a better prospect than Jalen Hurts. But, you know, in practice, he's been struggling to be a consistent passer. That's fine. I do not care about that. I hope it drops his ADP. That does not matter. The rushing attempts matter. The rushing yards matter because – they equal more fantasy points. Hate it all you want, but if you play in a normal standard league, rushing yards for quarterbacks matter so much more than passing yards. And the thing with Trey Lance is he's still going to get those big chunk plays through the air because he has such a big arm and his mobility is going to open those up. So although his completion percentage might be lower, he's still going to put up some good numbers through the air, I what believe. A, what about his arm fatigue? Yeah, he's going to be fine. His arm's tired. But last year, we have super small sample size to work with. He only played 2.5 games, two and a half games last season as a rookie, but he averaged 21.6 fantasy points per game over those two and a half games. Super small sample size, but that's pretty much what we had to work with with Jalen Hurts. We had three and a half games for him, and we're like, look how good he did for fantasy. This is what he's going to do. And that he ended up doing it. And I think that's going to be pretty much the same thing for Trey Lance. So again, I'm going to focus on the rushing here. So in the half a game he played in the Seattle game, he had to come in when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. He ran seven times in the second half. That was the half he played. He ran 16 times, had 16 rushing attempts in his first start, and then eight rushing attempts in his second start. 
So let's just go with the lowest end, right? Because the first half, the first game he came into, he was averaging 14 attempts, 16, and then eight. Let's go with just the eight. I'm giving him the lowest. Eight carries per game. That would put him at 136 carries on the year. I'm going to say, let's give him some wiggle room from there and say 120 carries on the season, which I think is extremely reasonable for Trey Lance uh, this year. There have only been 12 quarterbacks that have had 120 plus rushing attempts over the last or since 2010 and 10 of those 12 quarterbacks average 20 plus fantasy points per game. Hmm. They all kill it because rushing is all that matters. And the, the two times, the two instances that that quarterback did not score 20 plus fantasy points per game. They were both Cam Newton, actually 2017 Cam Newton, 18.7 fantasy points per game, which is still totally, totally reasonable. And if you get that out of Trey Lance at quarterback 13, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be fine. Maybe not like thrilled, but you're going to be fine. And then Cam Newton in 2020 guys, he scored eight touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns. Like I don't think Trey Lance is going to have eight passing touchdowns. Yeah. Cam Newton still averaged 12.4 fantasy points per game, which is absolutely insane. And that's a little bit lower than you're looking for in a starting quarterback for sure. But I, I don't expect Trey Lance to have eight passing touchdowns. Last year, Jalen Hurts only had 16 passing touchdowns and was the quarterback seven in fantasy points per game. I, I think Trey Lance is a little bit better than that with the weapons he has that he should get to 20 touchdowns, at least passing and do it on the ground. He's such an easy draft pick. Just draft him. I Michelle, like it. you said, the, the, um, the lower ends for Cam Newton, like not exactly what you want necessarily from your like big star rushing quarterback. And yes, you want more, but like that shows you how safe the floor is. Yeah. Like, uh, eight touchdowns in 10 passing intercept or eight passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions and still managed 17.4 yeah. points per game. Like that's insane. And that, that just shows you what this rushing you yards, up Trey Lance at all. He was already decently high all for right, me. I right. like, I don't, isn't it funny how for fantasy rushing is the only thing that matters for quarterbacks and receiving is the only thing that matters for running backs? It really Whoa. makes you think, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's really stupid. It means the scoring is probably really stupid, but you know, we have, we're working with what we have here and, and we're doing it. So obviously this take has, you know, more appeal in four point, Past touchdown leagues than it does six point past touchdown leagues, but I'm still happy to take lands in those six point touchdown leagues as well. All right, Jay, get to your second most ballsiest take of the season. I'll try and keep this two baller just a little bit shorter. Uh, Adam Thielen, aka the oldest man in the room that nobody wants on their team, apparently, he's going to easily finish as a top 15 wide receiver in points per game with top 10 upside. So he's Jake, tied. Can you do that again? Sorry. I yeah. sorry. I I said you're good. I thought Kate had me on mute and I was cuz I was situating myself. It, I, it could have just been taken as a compliment of me in general like <laughs> being like yeah, Jake's good. Jake's good. Jake's good. You're you're good. Okay. <laughs> 
Adam Thielen will easily finish as a top 15 wide receiver in points per game with easy top 10 upside. So Ooh. he is currently being drafted super late. I think I saw top him at wide receiver. Upside. Yeah. That is wide ballsy. receiver. That is hot. Ah, even ballsier than the first. So the wide receiver 29 currently in full PPR ADP, according to Fantasy Pros. This is a guy that's tied with Mike Evans and Mike Williams, the two Mikes, for the seventh most weekly top 12 finishes of last year at five apiece. And this dude only played 11 healthy games. That's basically half of his games where he was a top 12 guy for you. This little nugget came from at Jeff Crisco on Twitter. Adam Thielen is fifth in targets inside the five-yard line per game over the last two years. That's only behind Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, curiously enough, Cooper Cup, and Mike Evans. Here's a nugget from ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Only two players have more touchdown receptions since 2020 in total than him. And here's what's most important. Camp indications have already signaled that more of the same is in order under Kevin O'Connell. The new takeover here. So the old regime is out. We got this new guy in. What's it going to change for the offense? What's the play calling style going to be? I think we've already talked about the fact that it's not going to be this big boost to their overall passing attempts, like people think, because the Vikings were already a very pass-heavy team. They were top 10 in the league. Like, there's not a lot of growth from that. Yeah, maybe they can become top five in passing attempts, which great. But the other thing that O'Connell has said is that he wants Cousins to be more aggressive and take more chances. So instead of these little check down passes on third and five, they're just going to be short of the sticks or, you know, just not targeting the guy downfield because he's in uh, man coverage and he doesn't trust his dude. Like, he's telling him. Just take the shot. Take the chance here. Do that can be very big for a guy like Adam Thielen, which is kind of his deal. Like, it, nothing against his route running or anything, but, like, to let the dude go up and get a ball. He can do that in the red zone. He's constantly doing that already. Thielen last year, just to put a nice little bow on this, he was the wide receiver seven through week 12 when he was healthy still. Wide receiver seven. And what has changed? I mean, the team, nothing. Like the makeup of the team, nothing's really changed. The same dudes are still there. It's just that we got a more aggressive play caller, a more offensive-minded coaching staff. Like that all translates to Thielen having a pretty boom uh, year. So I I'm excited. I really like this because the, the thing that makes Adam Thielen so spectacular is that Kirk Cousins always trusted him in those situations. Like Kirk Cousins has gone to Adam Thielen time and time again when he's looking for that guy that he trusts specifically in the end zone. Now imagine if they're pressuring him to be more aggressive and he's like, just yellow it to Adam Thielen. Like we already know that like the, the meticulous Kirk Cousins loves Adam Thielen. We have to imagine that aggressive Kirk Cousins will also love Adam Thielen. Um, and I, I think this is just like a screaming buy in pretty much every league because recency bias is a thing and people feel like Adam Thielen is always injured despite the fact that all he does is produce when he's on the field. Like he's a value. 
So if again, Thielen is going to be a top 15 wide receiver, right? And Justin Jefferson should be a top three wide receiver. Yes. Kirk Cousins Kirk is Cousins going is to a screaming value. Though, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I think this has made me reevaluate Kirk Cousins. It was a couple of episodes ago. I believe you asked Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. I am firmly now on the side of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, easily, easily. It's not even close. Welcome to the club, baby. I'm excited to get more into Kirk Cousins next week. I hope he makes our top 12. I know he would make it on my list. We'll see if YouTube ruin it. You better not. All right, Kate, what's your second ballsiest take? This one is wild and I came out of left field. So explain, explain yourself, please. Uh, All right. So I want to talk about a rookie running back, but it's probably not the rookie running back. You think I'm going to talk about, uh, no, it's not Brees Hall. No, it's not Ken Walker, which like what Ken Walker. That's just not even a thing. I'm talking about Damian Pierce running back for, you might not even know what team, (laughs) but the Houston Texans, and he's going to be the lead running back. And my bold prediction for this year is that he will be a top 24 running back in the 22 season. And he's being drafted as RB 48. I'm shocked. He's even going as RB 48. That seems high. I I was thinking that as well, because he's the running back that nobody's talking about, but guys look at like, first of all, let's look at the depth chart. Uh, He's competing with Marlon Mack post Achilles, who, is fine, um, but I wouldn't call him uh, a, a sincere threat by any stretch of the imagination. Rex Burkhead, who I think is, um, I, so I don't know why, but Burkhead has always kind of reminded me of like a dinosaur. And it feels like he's starting to kind of take on the form of his name <laughs> because he's so old. <laughs> like he's not, <laughs> uh, like both of those guys have had trouble staying healthy, but Damien Pierce, like you forgot coming... Philip Lindsay. Who? Philip Lindsay. He's gonna be competing with Philip yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, nobody, nobody thinks that Philip Lindsay is competing. And no offense to Philip Lindsay if you're listening right I've now. I've heard he's been looking pretty good in training camp. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you've been listening though very hard, Michelle, because it's been Damien Pierce. Uh, and he's been the Damien Pierce show. He's been the the RB1 show in Texans training camp, but you know what's crazy, guys? You don't hear a lot about Texans training camp because nobody wants to talk about the Texans. Like, But you have to do some digging. And when you do, you're going to find that Damian Pierce is actually like the highlight guy over and over and over again. You hear positive things about Davis Mills, who was already um, like the most productive rookie quarterback in the 2021 class insane on it its was own. Mac Jones, but yeah. I, yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, but most second, pr- second most, uh, productive, but most surprising easily hands down. Um, but let's look at Damian Pierce, like the prospect, uh, the Texans drafted him in the fourth round in the 2021 season among all running backs with at least a hundred rushing attempts. That's 183 rushing uh running backs in the fbs he ranked forced fourth in missed tackles per rush attempt fourth in explosive runs per attempt 10th in yards per route run he led the fbs in pff rushing grade this dude was dominant every single time he touched the ball but the issue was he never touched the ball that often and that's been the biggest thing like every time he touches the ball it looks fantastic but 
he hasn't had the opportunity. It does look like this is going to be his opportunity to absolutely dominate. There's plenty of questions with the Texans, right? Last year, they ranked dead last in yards, 30th in offensive plays run, dead last with 3.4 yards per rush attempt as a team. Like, this wasn't a good team last year, but I do think Davis Mills in year two, we've heard really good things so far about his progression. Um, Laramie Tunsil will return this year. He missed 12 games last year with a thumb injury. The They drafted Kenyon Green. They added like pieces to the defense that should technically support that sort of ball control um, and, and that idea there. I, I think that there's plenty of opportunity here with the the players in tow, but I like, I would not be surprised at all at all. And I do have Pierce projected for over 200 carries. And I like, I think he runs away with this job. I'm such a big fan of his. I think that um, he's a pretty dynamic playmaker. He's not as refined as a player like Brees Hall, who I think just has like, just, like perfected his skill sets across the board. Um, like it, I think that Pierce needs some work as, you know, a pass blocker. He needs to get more experience because that's what he doesn't have. But the competition for touches, not there. And I, I think that he's easily the best running back this team has seen in a long time. Okay. Over under Texans score 30 total touchdowns this year. What do we, what do we think? Ooh. I'll take over. They scored 31 last year. I'll take over. Yeah, I think they by default have to be better, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cautiously take the over. All right. And I would probably say that Damian Pierce, uh, if things continue to pro uh, progress, um, I would say that Damian Pierce could account for up to 10 of those. I cannot get on this train. I'm very sorry. Oh well, I do we'll not leave feel you. It. We'll leave you behind, honey. I do not feel it. I will not be drafting him. You but can you get it. You can enjoy your Texans running back when they can, score seven points per game. You can get a ticket next season, but it'll cost you much more money. Well, I'll wait till next season. That'll be fine. If he proves he's anything, uh, I doubt it. I doubt we'll even be mentioning the name Damian Harris in one year from now. It's Damian Pierce. <laughs> you already forgot it. She but also probably still fire. true. <laughs> I already forgot it. No, it's Damien. No, uh, Damien Pierce. I I will admit he's a he's he's a pretty solid prospect. I he just was don't, coming out of the draft. I know, I know, I know. He's a solid prospect. I get it from Florida. He, he very. He good. was my RB three this year. Okay, like well, the class sucked. Besides the top two, so that's not saying a whole lot. Moving on, I I think I'm just scarred from ever. I can't projecting, wait. Uh, Sleeper running backs to break out ever again after Zach Moss. I just can't do it. Except this year, it's Kenneth Gainwell. He's going to be good. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's not my hot take, though, but it almost was. I'm really eyeing Kenneth Gainwell. Draft him. Okay, but that's but... not it. All right. My final ballsy take of the season. It's my favorite. And it's the guy I've been talking up all offseason long, but Cortland Sutton, he will be a top eight wide receiver. Now you might not be thinking it's all that ballsy because I've been saying this all offseason, but I'm saying he also has a floor of wide receiver 15. So he has the highest ceiling with the lowest risk. I think that you can get 
in the draft, obviously besides your Cooper Cups and your Justin Jeffersons and their Devonta Adams. Like after the first year of guys, I think Cortland Sutton is the next safest guy with the highest potential. He's currently going at ADP 25 wide receiver 25. That's absurd. It has gone up a lot as of recently, but it needs to go up even higher because this is still far too low for a guy with so much talent, with such a good quarterback. Like people do not realize the the crap. I mean, I think they do realize, but it's hard to take into account how much it matters. But the crap of quarterbacks that he have he has played with in his career. He got drafted in 2018, and since then he's had to play with Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, and Joe Flacco. Yikes. Now Joe Flacco is the only one among this group that's actually decent and can throw a deep ball, which fits Sutton's play style. And the eight games he got to play with Joe Flacco, he killed it. He was just the wide receiver 16 in fantasy points per game during that span of weeks one through eight in 2019. But he was on pace for over 1,300 receiving yards with Joe Flacco. Then, of course, it died off because he had to play with Drew Locke, and he finished with still a very solid 1,100 receiving yards. But we, we kind of saw there what the potential was. He only had three receiving touchdowns during that span. That's why he was just a wide receiver, 16. But Joe Flacco during that span only had six passing touchdowns. Sutton had 50% of his touchdowns. Like, he can't make any of these quarterbacks he's played with be better at throwing a stupid football, which none of them know how to do, besides, I guess, kind of Joe Flacco. Uh, but it, like I cannot express enough how much – the upgrade to Russell Wilson is like, we all know he's elite quarterback and it is a huge upgrade. But when you're talking about the play style of Cortland Sutton, this could not be a more perfect quarterback wide receiver pairing. Russell Wilson is top three deep ball passer in the NFL since 2018 has the most deep pass touchdowns in that span, a top three quarterback in passer rating for uh, passes in tight window tight windows, which is less than one yard of separation. That's something that you're going to need with Cortland Sutton. He's not the best separator in the league. Of course he can do it on certain plays, but where he's dominant is those 50-50 balls. Give him that shot. Like he's going to catch it. It's not a 50-50 ball with him. Like he's going to come down with the ball. And now you have a quarterback that's so good at putting those balls exactly where they need to be. He has the most touchdowns in tight windows. Uh, since 2018, third in the NFL in red zone pass touchdowns, first in the NFL in pass touchdowns when, when targeting the end zone, all the exact opposite of what Sutton has had in Denver throughout his time there. And when you're looking at last year's numbers for the Broncos, red zone targets, you had Cortland Sutton who led the team with 26, and then you have Tim Patrick with 22. He's now gone. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL. We did not bring that up in the – we should have probably done that in the in the news segment. But Tim Patrick tore his ACL. He's unfortunately gone for the year. But that opens up a lot of opportunities there. Noah Fant was third on a team with 19. He's gone. He's in Seattle. And then you had no one else over nine. Jerry Judy was fourth with nine red zone targets. Obviously, you expect Jerry Judy to get some of those. Obviously, Albert O will probably take some of Noah Fans, but there's going to be so much opportunity with Cortland Sutton there. Uh, Tim Patrick led the team last year in end zone targets with nine. Again, gone. Noah Fant was second with six. 
Cortland Sutton had five of those targets last year with zero touchdowns. Like that's not going to happen with Russell Wilson, who's so much more accurate. He's going to come down with those. A wide receiver has finished as a top 16 fantasy wide receiver with Russell Wilson in each of the last seven seasons. So this is the before part was why I'm saying he has such a high ceiling. And now this part is why I'm saying he has such a safe floor because Every single year for the last seven seasons, a wide receiver with Russell Wilson has finished inside the top 16. You had DK, wide receiver 13 in 2021. DK and Lockett both did it in 2020. Lockett in 2019. You had Baldwin in 2017, 2016, and 2015. Oh, I forgot All about did Doug. It. Like, he always makes one or two guys great, and I think it's Cortland Sutton this year. Just, he's such he's the easiest pick. Like, Trey Lance and Cortland Sutton should be in your draft should be on your roster in every single team. That's how I feel. My biggest question is why are we so certain that it is Cortland Sutton? I think this play style fits Russell Wilson perfectly. The deep, he's a deep type of receiver. I mean, he is fourth in the NFL in yards per reception since he's been drafted. And Russell Wilson loves to throw deep. He's that 50, 50 guy where Wilson will trust you. I, He's that big body where he's going to be perfect for him in the red zone and in the end zone. Jerry Judy will do his thing too. I just think Cortland Sun has a much higher ceiling. Agreed. I think Judy is a fine, like, he'll be okay. He'll, like, give you plenty of usable weeks. But, yeah, I, I agree with the boom potential of Sutton. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Well, that is it for today for our ballsiest takes of the season. So many ballsy takes. So many balls. We are all left with so many balls today. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we don't get burned. I, I feel good about our takes besides the Damian Pierce one. I feel, no, I feel so good about <laughs> Damian Pierce. And I, okay. I don't know. I haven't felt this way about a running back since Zach <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, no. <laughs> good. Good luck there. Now, if you have any additional questions, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Michelle, at Bob Blastem, Bob Blast E-M. And you can find me, Kate, at FFDamianPierce.com <laughs> oh or at FFBallBlast on Twitter. You can find me, Jake, at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.